we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Keep doing what we've been doing. Well, I don't know if that's good or bad. I think it's a little bad. This is Mike Neighbors. This is PeterPirates.com. Welcome to our podcast, A Few Extra Bucks. That was Jameis Winston and Cam Bright. We will hear uh, from Jameis Winston coming up. They were alluding to the turnovers. They want to keep doing what they're doing offensively, but obviously they don't want to keep doing what they're doing with the turnovers. We'll delve into that and so much more. Uh, we're going to bring in the voice of reason, our producer, Justin Thomas, and of course our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings. But first off, we would like to thank our co-title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke and Sea Dog Brewing Company, two great locations in Clearwater and Treasure Island on the beach. Great, great brews, great, great service, great, great place to hang out. All right, uh, Justin, uh, how's your week going, my friend? Everything good? Everything's been great, yeah. Okay, you pulled down a lot of sound once again. I really appreciate your time. Uh Roy, let's bring you in. Uh, you know, we kind of had fun with that open a little bit, but uh, you know, this is a football team right now that's three and three, and it just seems like when you listen to the local media in Tampa and you listen to sports talk radio, you would almost think that they've won one or two games. You, you kind of get that feeling right now. I mean, they're three and three. There's a lot to play for right now. You are absolutely right, uh, Mike. It, it's amazing to me. I, you know, I was on a WDAE a six twenty with. Uh, uh, J.P. Peterson earlier this week, and and I, I I said on the show I was like, will Bucks fans ever be happy? I mean, they won the game the other day against the Browns, and, and I understand it's the Browns, but a win is a win, and everybody's dissecting it so much and basically almost discounting the victory as if it really doesn't matter because well they didn't play that well and it was only the Browns and they had to go to overtime to beat them and this that and the other. Let me remind our listeners here, guys, and maybe I'm reminding you as well, the Buccaneers have the number one ranked offense in the NFL, the number one ranked passing game in the NFL. Um, the rushing attack is not so special. Their defense is not so special. But uh, they're kind of in the middle of the pack on third downs on defense. And, yeah, as you said, three and three and certainly not out of the running for a playoff spot at this point in the season. Do they have some work ahead of them? Absolutely. Do they have to get a little bit better in a lot of places? Absolutely. But um, this is something to celebrate, I think. The fact that this team has the ability to, to that it's leading the league in two categories, which forever this team was incapable of being anywhere near the top in overall offense, total offense, passing yards, things like that. Um, it's a new day in Tampa Bay. I'm just a little surprised fans aren't uh, enjoying it more. All right. I always like to accentuate the positive, and we've done that. But I think a big source of the pessimism is no Quan Alexander the rest of the year. The heartbeat of this defense, you know, people can say what they want about Gerald McCoy, but uh, Quan Alexander was voted a captain for a reason. And what Dirk Cutter said about halftime in that game against the Browns where he came out of the training room, really inspired this team moving forward. And Cutter even mentioned it today. It was something he hadn't seen, and he's been around football for a long time. The way that, A, they responded to Quan, but, B, the way, the way the team kind of responded on the field after that. Here's what Dirk Cutter said about the leadership this week on the practice field without Quan Alexander. I don't think you replace that guy. I think other guys you – can't, you can't ask guys to be something they're not. Uh, I don't think Levante is going to turn into that guy. I think Levante is going to just play his same outstanding, solid, consistent football. Uh, but I just think energy-wise, they're going to have to absorb that as a group. 
you know, Dirk Cutter, being honest there, everybody leads in a different way. In fact, Jason Pierre-Paul says he likes to lead by example, even though he's a great interview and he's a very animated guy. You know, how do you think this Quan Alexander dynamic is going to hurt this team? Roy, we talked about it in Tuesday's podcast, but he's really an X factor in so many ways for this football team as a whole. He is. He really is the heartbeat of the defense uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the, you know, the, the heartbeats of the team, really. And uh, but I don't believe it's a situation where as Quan goes, so go the def- so goes the defense or so go the Buccaneers. I, I don't think it's that case at all. Um, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, really, certainly after the Chicago game, when Quan Alexander was coming under a lot of scrutiny and getting catching a lot of heat for not playing very good football. Um, now, I think he's played a lot better since, but, uh, you know, and, and but I still think that I, mean, I, I thought he played better in the Atlanta game, which uh, he has a tendency to do very well in Atlanta for whatever reason, maybe because it's close to home for him. Um, he played, I thought, very well until he got hurt. Uh, in the in the against the Browns, um, but you know I don't think he's a guy just yet that is irreplaceable. You know the job is the job, and uh, you know Darius Taylor is a pretty good football player. Um, you know he doesn't have the name recognition just yet that uh, probably because he changed his name uh, from a Darius Glanton, but uh, <laughs> you know he he doesn't have the name recognition of a Quan Alexander. But I'm not ready to say that. You know, he can't play at the same level as Quan Alexander. And I'm excited to see a little bit of Devontae Bond and maybe even see a little bit of uh, guys like, uh, well, we'll see if um, Minter is up for this team, Kevin Minter, uh, the newcomer, if maybe Riley Bullock gets in a little bit. Um, yeah, it's there's no question this team has lost yet another key cog. Gerald McCoy was one of those, uh, is one of those rather. Um, Quan Alexander is definitely one of those, but... The problems with this defense still are primarily up front and in the secondary. I still think, and we, I talked about this before, Mike. We, you know, we've talked about this, how at linebacker is probably the one position where the Buccaneers could lose a player or two and survive and be just fine. Um, you, don't, never wanna, you never want to lose a guy like Quan. but I think they're going to be okay. We'll see, but I think they're going to be okay. All right, you mentioned Adarius. So, you know, we talked about Raleigh Bull and Kevin Mentor is a guy I had a chance to visit with him in the locker room. I covered him when he was at LSU. And you know, he talked about a few weeks ago, you know, he's, he's getting married in February. He went to Tiger Stadium and attended an LSU game for the first time as a fan. You know, he played a lot of games there. But obviously he was a first-round pick of the Cardinals and he's been in the NFL a while. And he wasn't sure if he would get a phone call or not. But I come up to Kevin Mentor and here's what he had to say about joining the Bucks. Kevin, just talk about the opportunity here in Tampa. It, it seems like uh, you know this is a team that could use you right now. And, and right. what do you see as your role here? Um, you know, just uh, trying to get in where I fit in. You know, um, I'm a vet. You know, I've been in this league a while. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of a young room. You know, obviously other than Quante, and uh, you know, I just want to contribute the best way I can. You know. Um, uh, whether it be a linebacker or, you know, special teams. Um, I'm, I'm here to help and just help this team win. So. Kind of LSU South. I mean, you got Kendall Beckwith, you got Quan Alexander, you got yourself. Uh, you're comfortable. I don't know how well you know those guys, but it's, is it good to be around guys that are from similar surroundings? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Quan was my freshman when I was in college or whatever. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm real close with, with him. And uh, Beck, you know, I used to see him. I used to go back or whatever. And uh, you know it's uh, you know it's a good squad, man. It's uh, 
But you know, you say others you saw, but it's it's about two or three of us on every team nowadays. So it's, uh, <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> it's LSU NFL, really. So it sure is, and he should know playing in Arizona with Patrick Peterson and the Honey Badger himself, Tyron Matthews. So uh, you know, I, I really like talking to him. You know, I don't know how much he's going to contribute at all, but uh, I thought you know, here's the deal with the Bucks right now. Everybody wants Patrick Peterson, Roy. Everybody wants that Jason Pierre-Paul slash big name and in free agency. But here's what Dirk Cutter had to say about the trade deadline coming up and, and what he knows. Jason has talked to me about a couple guys, but I, I personally am not involved in that right now other than to to listen to whatever they want to tell me because, you know, we're busy doing, doing our other thing. But uh, I can assure you that, that Jason's uh, looking into all avenues and, you know, it's his job to make decisions that are best for the Bucks, And I trust him to make those decisions because he, he's good at that. I think we'd all like to see Patrick Peterson, but I'm hearing they want a one for Patrick Peterson. I think that's pretty steep right now. What do you think, Roy? Yeah, you still got a lot of areas um, that you got to fix up uh, on this team, really. Um, you know, they're a little bit thin, uh, I would, I think, in the middle of the offensive line. Um, number one, uh, you've got to start thinking about a replacement down the road for DeMar Dotson. Um, the running back situation is not special right now. Um, you've got plenty of receivers and tight ends. That's probably not an issue. Quarterback, you seem to be fine, I think. Um, defensively, however, you know, if this team really struggles, uh, it's an awful lot to be given up at this point in the season uh, to save a season where you're looking at, you know, probably being a 500 team. So uh, to me, I, I would be holding on to those draft picks. I don't know that I'd be giving up a, a one for a Patrick Peterson. Um, you know, let's see what happens. I, I honestly think, Mike, that this game this week is going to determine a lot. I think if the Buccaneers win this game, uh, you could see them get very active. Uh, they might, they, you know, they might get aggressive and go out and get a couple of players um, because they'll be thinking, okay, we just, you know, we just won a big game on the road uh, against a, a fairly viable opponent. Um, we've got a shot at this thing. And, uh, but if they lose, it could go the other way. And they may say, okay, you know what? Uh, let's just go with what we got and move forward. So I, I think this game this week is going to have a lot to do with it. You won't see the Bucks do anything before that. I, I'll be shocked if that happens. But uh, this game this week, I think, could determine which way they go, whether they're aggressive uh, in, in trying to get a player, be it Patrick Peterson or someone else, um, or, uh, or, or basically stand on the sidelines, which is kind of what they've been doing, really. I mean, the, what they've done so far is just pick up bodies, uh, you know, they, and, and bodies that they know. And, and that's the other thing. The Bucks have to believe that these players that they're picking up in trades, you know, be it a Patrick Peters or anybody else, is a good fit inside the locker room. The last thing you want to do is start to disrupt what you think is a pretty good chemistry inside that locker room. Um, I don't think Patrick Peterson would do that. I think he'd be a welcome addition. Um, but still, at the price of a number one draft pick, uh, that's a lot to ask. So you wait and see if that price can somehow come down. Yeah, I mean, you look at the New Orleans Saints. They've basically given up their draft this season. Uh, for next year because they're all in this year. I don't think the Bucks are as close as the New Orleans Saints, but I think the intriguing thing about Patrick Peterson is you have these young guys in Carlton Davis and, and MJ Stewart. He could be a perfect bridge and then be that mainstay guy for a while. So, uh, you know, speaking of the trade deadline, we have our three and out segment. Uh, we're going to ask Roy some fun questions, kind of hypothetical questions on if he was the Buccaneer 
general manager, which he'd be a great one, by the way. All right, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Kendall Beckwith, it seems like a soap opera every week. When is he going to return? Doesn't look like he's going to return this week. I had a chance to catch up with Beckwith in the locker room on his status. You're obviously getting restless, but I know you're getting closer. Um, how anxious are you to get back now? Very, 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 very anxious to get back. Um, and, you know, I've been working my butt out to, you know, to get back out there. Uh, it's just a process. Um, I'm enjoying the process, man. Um, as soon as I can get back out there, you better believe I'm going to be back out there, though. Right now. That's a tough situation. Uh, he's obviously a guy that's a smart player, contributed right away, and the Bucks could use him. And, and before we jump to the offense, one more thing about the defense. The Duffmeister, the Duffster, Mark Duffner, was on the sideline for the Cleveland game in his debut as defensive coordinator. And that was his choice. And Dirk Cutter is is going to say in this fight coming up how he lets his assistant coaches be where they want to be. But here's where here was uh, Dirk Cutter's impressions on Duffner's first game on the sidelines and his choice to be there. I was really impressed with, uh, you know, how how Duff, you know, as a, as the linebacker coach, Duff is one of those guys that brings energy to the to the team. As the defensive coordinator, he has to keep a little bit cooler head and because uh, he's making the calls every time I thought he did a really good job of that and uh, you know through the through the years plenty of people have done it both ways so whatever whatever they're comfortable with and uh, but but I did I did like having him on the field but if he said he wanted to go to the box then that would be fine too you know the first game we talked about this defense simplifying things but Cutter corrected uh, people in the media saying you know they tried to do that in the Atlanta game Mike Smith's uh, last game and it was after the bye um, you know we touched on it in the last podcast, but you know I think this defense showed some great signs in that Cleveland game, especially the young guys in the secondary who we've talked about. It'll be interesting, Roy, to see how they potentially progress uh, on the road this weekend. Well, I think they learned a, a valuable lesson that when you've got a bunch of young guys out there, and even when you've got older guys who are new, you know, like Jason Pierre-Paul or some of the, you know, um, you know, guys like that. Um, you've got to simplify the defense a little bit. You can't ask too much of these guys um, because if it's too complex, uh, they think too much. And if they think too much, they slow down. Thinking slows down an athlete. Um, you want athletes to play natural. Just go out and play. Um, you don't want them having to think about, you know, where am I supposed to be on this play? Where am I supposed to, you know, what's my responsibility here? You want it to, you want it to be simple for them. That's how they play fast. You hear that phrase a lot in the NFL, play fast. The way you play fast is you know where you're going to be, you know, at every moment and, and you're quick to get there. The way you do that is you know what you're doing. And when you complicate things and ask guys to make a bunch of checks and things like that, um, that's when trouble happens. So uh, and that's where the Bucks were. They, they were just trying to, you know, Mike Smith was running his defense and basically asking the young kids, um, which were in the lineup as a result of injuries. It wasn't necessarily designed this way, but. You know, he was asking those young kids to all, uh, you know, basically have you know, still play fast, yet they're still thinking. They don't know the defense that well, and it really kind of hamstrung this team a little bit. So what happened last week was, you saw the team simplify things. Everything went a little bit faster. They played a little bit faster, played a little bit more natural, and the results were much better. So I think you'll see that going forward. But the key again, simplify it. You know. It's funny, we hear fans complaining about, you know, the same old Mike Smith defense, this, that, and the other, and everything else. You know, sometimes 
a simple defense executed very well works, you know, and I understand it was ages ago, uh, leather helmets almost and all that kind of stuff. But Vince Lombardi used to run the same stinking five or eight offensive plays all the time. Okay. And it was just that they out executed everybody move fast forward to, you know, the late 1990s and early two thousands. And the Buccaneers ran the same defensive scheme every single game. Everybody knew exactly where they were going to be, what they were going to be doing, where the windows were. And you know what? Didn't matter. Bucks were so good at it. They were so fast that they executed it to, to perfection. And those are two examples of how simple can be splendid if, in fact, you know what you're doing. And that's where they've got to get back to, especially with these kids. You know, Dirk Cutter brought up uh, Kevin Minter today about how you bring a veteran on. It was alluding to some of the things you just talked about. They have, you know, so much knowledge, and it's easier, obviously, for them to pick up a defense very quickly. We'll see how much Minter has left in the tank, uh, you know, with Taylor and Bulla. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see the reps there. All right, let's jump to the offensive side of the ball. Tuesday, we talked about the turnover since Jameis Winston's been back, and we just released a video preview uh, with this angle as well. Check that out on pewterpirates.com. We do it every week, previewing the games, the best video content of any site out there. But let's begin with turnovers. And Jameis Winston talked about, uh, was asked about, you know, turning the ball over seven times since he returned in the second half of that Bears game. And it's obviously an emphasis on this offense to get better. Definitely, and uh, and that's that's our focus every single week is to eliminate those. So uh, we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing. Uh, I think we can execute a lot better, uh, and part of the execution is eliminating uh, those those that word that you just said there. So uh, we just got to keep getting better, man. There's there's no reason to get too too far up or too far down. We're gonna stay in the middle and keep coming to work every day and and doing what we need to do to get better. Jameis Winston was asked uh, a lot of somewhat tough questions today, I thought, just about turnovers, about, uh, you know, just different parts of his game and didn't flinch, Roy. I, you know, you can say what you want about Jameis Winston, but um, never gets real defensive with criticism. I've noticed that about him. No, I'm not, I will go so far as to say he likes the criticism, but he knows his role and he knows his job and he's very confident that he's going to do the job. The other thing is he also knows that, all right, he's got five touchdowns, six interceptions. Not good. Um, but he also knows that half of those interceptions are not his fault. And he also knows that uh, he's thrown at least one touchdown pass that uh, Deshaun Jackson refused, refused, failed to haul in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some other uh, passes of his into the end zone have ended up as picks, and or at least one did. And it was a result of, you know, just not, you know, being off by about six inches. A ball bounces you know, off somebody's helmet and somebody else uh, grabs it. So um, I think he realizes that the numbers don't really show how well he – they're not an indication, in my opinion, of how he's played. I don't think the – I think he's played better than the numbers suggest right now. I mean, you go back two weeks ago, uh, what, almost almost 80% completion, 70% plus for sure, uh, 395 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions – uh, certainly played well enough to win last week. Uh, yeah, a couple of interceptions, uh, no touchdown passes because one was dropped. Uh, a few other drop passes, uh, not as good a numbers uh, as you would like. But at the end of the day, he he led the Bucks on two game-winning drives. One failed because the kicker didn't make the kick. The other one worked because the kicker made that miraculous 59-yard field goal. But um, and granted, 
you know, it was a 59 yard field goal because, you know, James took a sack, but at the end of the day, um, it's, it's the overall picture. And, and I think he's just playing a lot better than the numbers suggest because a lot of those picks are not his fault. He's a gunslinger to some degree. You're going to get that with him. You're going to get it with him. And I'm not sure if it's ever going to leave his game uh, fully, but uh, he's going to, uh, you know, give you the good and the bad. He's also going to run with the football. He was a leading rusher for the Bucks against the Cleveland Browns. And this is what he had to say about not his passing game, his running game. That's just my wheel, man. I, I just – sometimes you pull the ball down. Sometimes I hold the ball too much. You know, I think those big guys look, like when I pull the ball down and, and get a couple extra yards for them. Uh, but, you know, we got other guys to do that. I mean, I don't know how teams are going to play us uh, week to week. Uh, I consider myself a run threat, but you know a lot of people don't don't view that. Uh, my main focus is is making sure that uh, I execute everything else, and if I have to make a play, whether it's with my arm or with my feet, that uh, I can do it. You know, when I when I hear that, Roy, I'm not sure how you interpret this. I, I, I <laughs> that was like a message to the fans. That was also a lot of coaching in that soundbite of things his coaches have said. Maybe you need to. You know, not do it as much or be careful. Um, but, you know, I thought there was a lot in that answer that you can interpret, maybe message to a fan, but also things that his coaches have told him about running the football. Well, I think, well, yeah, the coaches certainly, you know, running the ball with Jameis is the last thing they want him to do. There's no doubt. They don't, they do not want him to expose himself uh, to, to any injuries. He's, you know, he gets hit enough as it is. Um, they don't want to expose him anymore. But you know what? You just there's there's something you can't take out of Jameis Winston, and it's what has the potential to make him special, is that he will not give up on a play. He sometimes he doesn't know when to give up on a play, and that can be good and bad. I mean, you don't want to coach that out of him. You want to coach better decision making into him, but you don't want to coach out of him that I'll do anything to help my team win mentality, which is what he has. And running the ball the way he does is part of it. Him running around and still throwing it downfield, sometimes making throws that you'd rather you, you you'd wish he didn't make, but they become spectacular plays and things like that. You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't ask for Jameis Winston. You know, people don't want game managers, right? So you can't ask right. Jameis Winston to be a game manager and then complain about uh, you know when he when he makes plays the way he does. You, you can't have. I mean, would you rather have? You know, I, I guess an Andy Dalton type who basically is kind of a game manager type, not really going to do a whole lot of spectacular stuff, going to be about as good as the people around him, and that's it? Or do you want to elevates the play of the players around him? I'll, I'll take Jameis Winston. There's going to be bad with that, but there's going to be bad with the other style quarterbacks too. The guys who just kind of sit back in the pocket and just take what's given to them, those guys aren't necessarily – they're not any better. They're not winning any more than Jameis Winston. Because, you know, they're not necessarily making things happen. So uh, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Uh, I just think James Winston gets way too much heat. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If more players on this team on both sides of the ball were playing as well as James Winston is uh, or usually does, this team would be a lot better off. Well, what would help James Winston, Roy, is a running game. Uh, Peyton Barber's had some flashes this year, but he's banged up. And could possibly Ronald Jones be the guy Sunday against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, You know, Peyton Barber was limited today in practice. We'll see how it is moving forward. I had a chance to catch up to Ronald Jones, who doesn't speak to the media too often. And I asked him about potentially having a larger role on Sunday after scoring his first touchdown and getting more work last Sunday against the Browns. 
After getting a taste last week, how prepared are you to, to have more of a role in this offense? Yeah, I'm very prepared. You know, that's you know part of the work you know that we're doing up here. Uh, just a lot of studying, you know, in the game plan, working with coaches after practice, all that stuff, trying to get ready for Sunday. How much do you think you've improved uh, since training camp and, and over the course of this regular season? Uh, I think I've improved a lot. You know, working with Monk after practice, uh, throwing with Jamie after practice, on the judge, all that. So my hands are there. Uh, pass protection, you know, I've been identifying, you know, who the blisses are, where it's coming from. You know, you can get a feel from uh, pre-snap. So all that stuff, you know, is working and is helping me play faster. I don't think any Buccaneer has been more of a whipping boy the past couple months than Ronald Jones. I mean, he came in as his home run hitter from USC, second round pick. You know, Doug Martin's not in town anymore. The Bucks desperately need a running back to make splash plays. You know, Peyton Barber, uh, you know, Roy and I, Roy and I, you know, we both supported Peyton Barber heading into the season. But Ronald Jones, let's face it, he's been a disappointment. He hasn't been what everybody expected. But then again, Roy, he's a rookie, and it seems to be he's getting more confident. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think we saw it a little bit last week, uh, and that effort should give him a little bit of confidence. He had a couple of nice plays there. Um, I think he's getting used to things. Look, one thing, uh, and these are good things, really, um, Dirk Cutter's made it clear that uh, the struggles that Ronald Jones has had are not a result of, A, um, not knowing the offense, which was a problem a year ago with the rookie running back the Buccaneers had, who's no longer here, um, it's not a result of uh, or a matter of uh, him not working hard enough. He's certainly doing that. You heard it in that clip, him talking about working extra on the jugs machine to, you know, to make sure he's got uh, his hands are in shape so that he's, uh, he's ready to be a part, you know, in every facet of the offense. Um, it's really just a matter of, I think, the, the speed of the league and, and, and maybe some of the hits or whatever uh, have caught him a little bit by surprise. Or maybe he just hasn't found his rhythm yet. Um, you know, he's not used to getting a lot of touches a game, but I think he knows, you know, uh, w- you know what, what's best for him. He hasn't really hit that groove yet. But, you know, here's a guy who uh, is a home run hitter, and anytime he's out on the field, if the offensive line can give him a crease, um, I'll tell you, this, this guy can hurt you. So he could quickly become one of those guys who's the talk of the NFL. Uh, he just needs a crease or two to do it, and that could be coming anytime soon. Yeah, this is why we don't rehearse before the show, because that leads me to my other question with Ronald Jones. And I agree wholeheartedly, Roy. Sometimes you just need that breakthrough moment. Running backs are predicated on rhythm a lot of times. If you if you burst a big run, how much would that help your confidence and, and your rhythm moving forward? Yeah, that would help, you know, a lot of things, you know, obviously get the offense, you know, more balance. Uh, and then, you know, just get everybody, you know, hyping, you know, making big plays. You know, I want to be that guy, that, that, that it factor. So, uh, yeah, I'm still working on that. And it's going to come, so. It's going to come. Roy, it's amazing. You know, all these guys are great athletes at this level, but it's so mental too, especially if you're a rookie. It would be amazing to me if he has that breakthrough moment and if he just, you know, capitalizes off it. We've seen it in the league before. Frankly, you know, I covered the New Orleans Saints. Mark Ingram had a hard time because he had to share the load. And when he finally got his chance, he took advantage of it. And you mentioned the rhythm and you hear Ronald Jones there. That's what's, that's what's fun about watching this game on Sunday. You know, if he does get his chance – Will he take advantage, and, and could that breakthrough moment really help? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And here, you know, for fans who may not understand uh, what Ronald Jones may be going through, we keep talking about confidence. Look, he was a very, um, uh, he was an elite back at the college level, but he wasn't one of those three or four or five backs that everybody talked about when the draft came around. He, he wasn't in that Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle uh, class necessarily at that point. He was, he was like the, the a level below. 
um, and, and you had to really do your homework to know a little bit about him. He wasn't as talked about as some of the others in the draft. And remember, you know, for, for Ronald Jones coming into the NFL from college, even playing at USC, it's a little bit like a, uh, an amateur guitar player who's played in a few bands and done, you know, had some fun and maybe made a little bit of money off of it here and there. All of a sudden he gets a chance to go on stage with Bob Seger. Okay. And he, and he's asking you know, <laughs> to play along on a song or two. That guy's going to be nervous no matter how much stage presence he's had, uh, no matter how many, you know, Oktoberfests he's played or, or how many weddings he's been to, you get the chance to go to the big leagues uh, all of a sudden, you know, and get on stage with somebody like that you're going to be a little bit nervous. You're probably going to be a little bit stiff. You're not going to play as, uh, you know, your rhythm may not be as sharp because you're going to be thinking about a thousand things. That's where Ronald Jones is right now. Bob Seeger, Boy, what, what a, one of your favorite musicians of all time. Actually, I'm kidding. You know, we, we, we debate pop culture. And, and speaking of pop culture in our debates, it's just part of our final segment, which may be the best part of the segment. Justin, are you ready? Here we go. The Envious Podcast, you wish you had a three and out like this. <laughs> Roy Cummings, three questions, and he is out of here. We're going to bring Justin Thomas in as well. We talked about the trade deadline, my friend. I'm going to have you become Bucks general manager right now. I want to throw you some scenarios. If you were sitting at your desk and you got this phone call, would you take the plunge? All right, our first question in our three and out. If somebody called and wanted Deshaun Jackson and would give you a second or third round pick, would you deal him? Uh, yeah, I would. The chemistry with Jameis Winston doesn't seem to be that good. Um, you're deep at the running, at the running, I'll be all right. Deep at the wide receiver position. Um, I mean, you know, Freddie Martino is actually a pretty good football player, has a hard time keeping a spot. He's no Deshaun Jackson, but if you're only going to, if you're not going to get out of Deshaun Jackson, what you wanted to get, which is that, you know, that deep threat. Um, I, I would be very tempted to take that second round pick uh, for him. Again, when, when you start looking at where the Bucks may be headed, uh, that, that could be a premium pick. And depending on what they want to do next year and what the draft looks like, um, you know, you package a couple of twos and you're one and move up a couple of spots and get some, uh, you know, some franchise caliber player, depending on what the position is, cornerback, defensive end, something like that. Um, it's, it's very tempting. I, I would strongly consider it. I would do it in a heartbeat. And, and maybe if it's early enough, maybe you could package it with some picks to get Patrick Peterson. Now, that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, we're playing make-believe general manager here. Okay, before we get to our final pop culture question, our second question, Roy, in our three and out, if Jacksonville called you and said, we'll give you two first-round picks for Jameis Winston, what would you do? Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. How about um, that? You know – Gosh, that's a tough one. I, I, I is it? Uh, look, franchise quarterbacks are hard to find. Okay, right. The Bucks believe they have one. He's twenty-four years old, folks. If I believe you, um, I don't. You know, I mean, look, I'm not sure that a franchise quarterback came out of last year's draft. You know, everybody's excited about some of the young quarterbacks that came into the league, but you know, look, a year. Uh, later, you know, does Deshaun Watson look as good as he used to? No, Jared Goff does. 
Um, but he's got a good team around him. You know, his cars. I think the city looks pretty good. Has everybody made him out to be? Yeah, he looks pretty good. But look at the team. It's not special necessarily just yet. Doesn't look it. Um, I- I'll tell you, if you honestly believe in Jameis Winston, uh, yeah, two number ones look great. But, you know, you have to spend at least one of them on a quarterback. And if you miss, oh, boy, oh, boy. I take the two ones. I take the two or three for Deshaun. I ride Fitzmagic the rest of the year, and I have a lot of fun in that draft next year. A lot of fun. Yeah, well, you would have fun on draft day, but uh, if that pick doesn't work out for the quarterback, <laughs> that'll be the end of your fun, my friend. <laughs> All right, our last question, uh, our three and out segment. Bring Justin Thomas in here. Justin, by the way, would you give up two ones? I mean, would you uh, trade Winston for two ones? It's tough because – uh, this upcoming draft class, QB-wise, isn't too impressive. So I don't know if you want to wait two years to get that QB of the future. I kind of agree. Winston's young. Yes, he has his issues, but it seems like too much of a risk. And need right. I remind you, gentlemen, the Buccaneers lead the NFL in offense and in passing, and they don't have a running game. Well, I think I think Fitzmagic was a big part of that, my friend. He might have been. But, you know, it's not like Jameis Winston isn't throwing for 300-plus yards every time out. That's true. That's true. All right. I'm the only – it's like an Elton John, Billy Joel thing again. You guys like Elton John. I like Billy Joel. I'll trade the picks. You keep them. Or I'll trade Jameis. You keep them. All right. Our last question. We go pop culture. All right. If you could pick one actor to play your life story, your movie, the Roy Cummings movie, the Justin Thomas movie, the Merely Neighbors movie, you pick one actor. You got to cast him. He's gonna he's gonna represent you and your story. Who's it, who are you gonna be? Who's it gonna be? I think I'm gonna take Tom Hanks because I think he's probably the guy who could probably pull me off better. I mean, I don't need a hero <laughs> to do it or uh, you know anybody like that. Uh, I'm I'm not George Clooney, that's for sure. Um, I'm not Tom Hanks either. But uh, Hanks can pull off just about anybody. I mean, it, it's not like I'm picking Adam Sandler to represent me. So. <laughs> Um, no, I'll take Tom Hanks. All right, Justin. Oh, that's a tough one. You know, growing up, everyone always said that I looked very similar to Harrison Ford, and I'm not tooting my own horn. Oh, wow. But he's too old to play me, so uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd have to think, who, who's a younger actor that I really enjoy? Well, you don't want to go Adam Sandler, David Spade. Um, you're, you're a taller, you're a taller guy. You know, how about that guy that plays um, uh, Cameron in, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? How about that guy? <laughs> Alan Ruck? Yeah, how about that guy? There you go. I do like him, but he also is like 20 years older than me. Yeah. Sure. How about this? If I could do a time machine and go back in time and get the actor in his youth, I'll, I'll take him. Uh, okay. I would use Alan Ruck. All right. You know, my deal is I'd pick Tom Cruise if you wasn't crazy and, and all that. So, Tom Cruise, you're done. Uh, Matt Damon. How about Matt Damon? Ooh, that's pretty that's good. good. That's nice. Like that? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm like you. I'm, yeah, no, I'm not George Clooney or any of that. But Matt Damon's, to me, kind of the every guy. You know, I, hope, yeah. I want to be the every guy. Yeah, I don't want to be Ben Affleck. I don't want to be Tom Cruise. I want to be Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Better than Bob Seger? <laughs> yes, actually. But look, I, you know, I, 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 you know I, Bob Seger is not bad. He's, you know. you're, yeah. Better, better than Michael McDonald? Oh, God, yeah. 
Okay, perfect, oh, perfect. All right. All right, guys, before we go, prediction time. Uh, who's going to win the game, and what's the score going to be? You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. Um, Bucks win. Bucks win. Bucks win 28-23. Bucks win. James Winston has a good game. Defense continues to uh, simplify and execute properly. Um, Even get a takeaway maybe from off Andy Dalton. How about that? Like it. You've been money. You predicted they'd lose against Pittsburgh. You predicted they would lose against Chicago. So you're on a roll. And that's when Justin and I went the other way. So, Justin, what do you got? I know. You know, I was going to go against Roy on this one, but he's been right pretty much thus far. So I wonder if I should switch. I'm going to stick with what I was initially thinking. I think Bengals have a really good offense. Bucks are going to struggle to keep them down. I'm going to pick Bengals to win. Let's go 32-24. Okay, I'm going to pick Bengals, too. I, I think the Quan thing is big. I agree with Roy. He hadn't played well early in the year, but he's a big part of that D. I don't think you're going to have Gerald McCoy out there. You're not going to have Kendall Beckwith. I think that defense is still kind of a mess. I don't have faith in the kicker, even though he kicked a 59-yarder. I think Jameis um, is going to turn the ball over a couple times. I'm going to go Cincinnati 27, the Buccos 23. How about that? Okay. All right. I'm the outlier. That's all right. You always win when you're the outlier, though. I get it. All right, well, listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, For Harrison Ford and Tom Hanks, I am merely Matt Damon, and I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. Uh, Have fun, Bucks fans, watching the game Sunday. We'll have another podcast soon, and check out our video preview on PeterPyrus.com. We just released that uh, late Wednesday. So, Thanks for your time. Subscribe to PeterPyrus.com. It's free, folks, and we'll see you soon.